Greetings, friend. I am so grateful that you have found this podcast or however you are listening today. I believe it is the most vital information that you will have to equip you and protect you and your family against the enemy who roams around to seek us and kill us and devour us. And we want to have a battle plan just as he has a battle plan for our lives. So my name is Michelle Thielen. I am the founder of Yoga Faith. And what you're about to hear today came from a Yoga Faith virtual Bible study on the book Fervent from Priscilla Schreier. She describes 10 areas where the devil attacks us the most. And I want to share with you my personal battle plan that came out of that virtual Bible study. So I hope you enjoy it. I think it's really important that we either speak it ourselves we hear the word. Um, some of my most favorite worship songs are scripture, our passage. And when we send the word of God back to him, he listens and he, he moves on that. So our words, are his word is active in our life. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. And so again, I want to share this battle plan with you in case you don't have your own. You can steal this. You can also print it. It's just a five-page PDF two or three prayers on each page and you can speak it out yourself or you can just push play here again and again in these 10 different areas. You know, the word of God, sometimes in yoga faith, I literally lay on it so it opens up my heart and that's a whole nother podcast about opening up the heart and letting him remove anything that doesn't belong in there but it literally uploads his word into my heart that's that's what it is doing and sometimes the bible's on my heart so it downloads into my heart but either way we want to get the word in our lives we want to make it active and again we want to protect the most important things in our life and that is our soul, our family, and we don't want the enemy to have any place in this. So he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that is his full-time job, friend. And anytime you kingdom build or do a podcast on kingdom building, you are going to get attacked. Maybe the microphone doesn't work, or there's all kinds of crazy noises, or it's the one time that your baby wants to cry or your dogs want to bark, everything. He will he will pull out all the tricks. And so it's not just in a podcast, it's in our everyday lives. He knows what's important to you. He knows the buttons he can push and he strives to divide. He strives to divide our families. He likes to interrupt those divine relationships. And so it's so important for you to have a battle plan and I would even go a step further to say this is for our prayer closet. This is where we fight our battles. It's not in the living room yelling at one another. It is in your prayer closet fighting on your knees and I hope that this blesses you in more ways than one in um, over and over again. So we're going to visit these 10 strategies. Uh, strategy number one, the enemy comes against your passion. He seeks to dim your whole desire for prayer. He wants to dull your interest in spiritual things and downplay the potency of your most strategic weapons. And you can read about putting on the full armor in Ephesians 6 because we actually have to put that on, right? We actually have to do something. And I want to start out with letting you know that if I were your enemy, I would seek to dim your passion. I would seek to dull your interest in spiritual things and dampen your belief in God and his ability and his personal concern and love for you. If I were your enemy, I'd want to convince you that the hope that you have lost is never coming back and probably was just a lie to begin with. So if you're in that boat, this one's for you. But if you're not, 
if you've got full passion and you know what you're here to to do on planet earth that's awesome we celebrate with you maybe one of the other nine areas will bless you but this is a prayer for your passion and getting it back when it is gone and so anytime you hear my name or my spouse's name you just put in your name and your family's name okay not just my passion but ours Derek and my passions, all of the bundle of passions and the entire yoga faith ministry, you put your organization there into the entire yoga faith family. Help us to fan the flame of our heart's desires and all the many passions that you yourself have blessed us with. Protect our passions and dreams. Keep our hearts and motives pure, praying continually for one another's dreams as well. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us with so many passions. May you continue to help us through your Holy Spirit as our helper. Guide us, laser focus on the passions that you desire us to use for your glory. We have so many more passions to fulfill and use for you, Father God. We praise you. We praise you so much for leading us with clarity into the right passions. If one needs to be released, show us that ignite or fan the ones that we have put on hold O lord or birth a new one we praise you for revealing this to us we praise you so very much amen and amen and amen god is so good strategy number two the enemy wants to come against your focus he disguises himself he manipulates your perspective so you end up focusing on the wrong culprit directing your enemies, directing your weapons at the wrong enemy. We spend so much energy on the wrong enemy. We spend it on the people or the things, and it's really not them, it's the enemy. And you know, I'm reading an incredible book by Brant Hansen called Unoffendable. And along those lines, I have a new mantra and it says, I am unoffendable. So whether we fight the wrong people or whether we get offended or angry at the wrong things, say this to yourself, I am unoffendable. And you will start to live a life of freedom and also preserve your precious spiritual weapons for the real enemy. So Lord, help us to realize who that is. So strategy number two, your focus fighting the real enemy. I want to say first, if I were your enemy, I would disguise myself and manipulate your perspective so that you'd focus on the wrong culprit, your husband, your friend, your hurt, your finances, anything or anyone except me. Because when you zero in on the most convenient, obvious places to strike back against your problems, you get the impression that you're fighting for something. And even though all you're really doing is just fighting, fighting for nothing. So strategy number two, a prayer for focus, a prayer to fight the proper enemy. Here is mine for you and I today. Lord, I pray that your spirit continues to reveal manna, the path for each and every day. Keep me focused on the journey that you have set before me. Help me to not waste my weapons on the wrong things and people, amen. They are not my real enemy. Give me a heart to understand that it is not them. Your Holy Spirit causes me to be unoffendable in all circumstances with all people. I cannot be offended. It is so freeing to live this way. Thank you. I give you all the glory for such wisdom and joy, for you and spiritual weapons fighting my battles. 
All I need to do is stand, as 2 Chronicles 20:17 says. You fight my battles, and I thank you. How can I say thank you enough? Show me how to express my gratitude. Show me how to express my gratitude. In your precious name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you, Father God, for keeping our focus that we are just as strong finishers as we are starters. Strategy number three is against your identity. This is a good one. This is where he really wants to lie to you. He magnifies your insecurities, leading you to doubt what God says about you and to disregard what he's given you. And a lot of my prayer came from Ephesians 1, specifically 17 through 19. But if you open that up and uh, meditate on that, you will get your real and true identity back. So this is a prayer about remembering who you are. And I want to first say that if I were your enemy, I devalue your strength and magnify your insecurities until they dominate how you see yourself, disabling and disarming you from fighting back, from being free, from being who God has created you to be. I'd work hard to ensure that you never realize what God has given you so that you will doubt the power of God within you. And that, my friend, is a tragic scene when you lose your identity in who you are in Christ. So strategy number three, it's a prayer for your identity. It's remembering who you are through him. Thank you, Lord, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have intricately woven me and call me exceedingly beautiful in Ezekiel 16. I am an heir and I sit at your right hand. You make my enemies a footstool. Protect me on all sides when they come from every direction. You prosper all my mistakes. Hallelujah. Forgive me, Father, of my ugliest and shameful sin. You cause all my ways to prosper, and you have blessed me with the peace that passes all understanding. You cause me to be victorious and more than a conqueror on every single occasion. You cause me to be victorious and more than a conqueror on every single occasion. You shield and protect me. Go before me so I don't stumble. You cover me with great grace, mercy, and unconditional love. My name is written on your palm, scribed on your, on your very heart. My name is written on your palm. My name is scribed on your heart. And I am the apple of your eye. I am the apple of your eye. Wow. If that doesn't blast you, holy cow. I mean, the, the creator of the universe has us in the palm and heart of himself. Wow, I just can't even fathom that. <laughs> Whew. All right. Ah, so awesome. Isn't the word of God awesome? Oh. All right, strategy number four against your family. Whose family is divided? All right, we need to have fervent prayers and a fervent battle plan because the enemy is strategic of attacking our families because when he gets in here he really gets in so he wants to disintegrate your family dividing your home rendering it chaotic restless and unfruitful he wants to divide us completely and I want to start with saying that if I were your enemy I'd seek to disintegrate your family and destroy every member of it I'd want to tear away at your trust and unity and turn everyone's love inward on themselves. I would make sure your family didn't look anything like it's supposed to. 
because then people would look at your Christian marriage, your Christian kids, and see that you're really no different. You're no stronger than anyone else, that God underneath it all really doesn't change anything. And that is what the enemy would love for you to believe. Uh, so this is a prayer for my family, fortifying the lives of those that I love. And again, these, these are your prayers too. I want you to steal them or create your own. Either way, sending this war plan to the enemy every single day. Dear Heavenly Father, oh, how I know so well in this one department, the family is the devil's playground. He loves to divide and have his lying way in our families. If he gets in here, the playgrounds become an all-out war zone. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Why are we ever surprised when we are under attack? We know this. We know that if it's destruction, death, confusion, or lack from him stealing, it is the devil. We know this scripture, but often I forget it. Help me to realize that the real enemy to blame so that I may fight most efficiently and save my energy and resources for more important things in life. I pray that you would bring restoration where there is brokenness in our family. I pray you would bring unity where our homes are divided. I pray you would bring the peace that passes all understanding where there has been only turmoil. May we all fight our battles on our knees in our prayer closet instead of loudly with one another in the living room, exclamation point. Cover our homes, our family members, our doorposts are protected by the blood of the lamb. Everything coming in and everything going out of all the doors is protected and blessed. And we enjoy eternal family reunions here on earth and in heaven forever and ever. And I pray that if a family reunion seems like a foreign language to you right now, or you feel like you will never be restored with that brother, sister, mother, cousin, sister, uh, whoever it might be, that uh, start to visualize a family reunion. Uh, you might even put a date on the calendar and which park you're going to have it at. Plan for family restoration. Amen. Amen. You know, that is the, the main thing because when our families are divided, nobody is any good, right? We, we can barely function. Even if you have a little spat with your spouse, it's hard to function when things aren't good. Well, if he divides all of the family, nobody can really function in the proper way that God intended. So we're going to move on to the next strategy. Uh, they're all good, but this is, um, this is against our confidence and really your past. So strategy number five, he constantly reminds you, this is the enemy constantly reminds you of your past mistakes and bad choices, hoping to convince you that you're under God's judgment rather than under the blood. And you can read more in Revelations 12.10, but I think that is the biggest lie about God is that he is this judgmental taskmaster, hard-nosed God with his index finger pointing at us and the word of God says that God is good all of the time and all of the time God is good. And so we have to remember that no matter what our circumstance looks like or how we feel. And you're going to really like this next prayer. I hope it's going to help. You know, what I came up with from the book study, it has really blessed me and, and my family. So strategy number five, your past, and it's really about ending the reign of guilt, shame, and regret. And I want to first say that if I were your enemy, 
I'd constantly remind you of your past mistakes and poor choices. I would want to keep you burdened by shame and guilt in hopes that you will feel incapacitated by your many failings and see no point in even trying. I'd work to convince you that you've had your chance and you have blown it. I would try to convince you that your God may be able to forgive some people for some things, but not you. Not for that and not for this. And that's what the enemy would try to have you believe. So this is my prayer for confidence, ending the reign of guilt, shame, and regret once and for all so that you can move forward and get about your dad's business. But you, you are so rich in grace and so rich in mercy. You love me so much that even when I was dead in my sin, you gave me life. You love me so much that even when I was dead in my sin, you gave me life. And it is because of your grace that I am safe, as Ephesians 2 says. I no longer call the former things that I have done or that have thought to my mind, but instead I meditate and I do something new. It springs forth and I will not miss it. You always have and you always will make a way in my wilderness. You bulldoze me a trail. You create rivers in my dry lands, just as Isaiah 43 declares. I have experienced your goodness time and time again, and you never, ever change. Your favor is for a lifetime. I may mourn tonight, but joy comes in the morning, says Psalms 30. Behold, you make all things new. You have prospered my mistakes. Hallelujah. I am free from the bondage of past sin, shame, and guilt. Thank you, Lord, that my past is not my future, but through your Son. You are glorified from my past junk. I have boldness in you and a God confidence more than a conqueror future. I love you with all my heart and all my soul. Amen and amen. God has prospered all my mistakes. And I want to encourage you once again that your past is not your future and that God uses all things. Romans 8.28 doesn't say some things. It says that God uses all things for your good. Hallelujah. Wow. Whew. I'm getting blasted. Blasted. (laughs) All right. We're on strategy number six. We have a few more to go here. So stay with me. This is good stuff. The next one that the enemy tries to come in and destroy is against your calling. He amplifies fear, worry, and anxiety until they are the loudest voice in your head, causing you to deem the adventure of following God. It's too risky to attempt. And I would say open up Joshua 14, specifically eight. Uh, In Yoga Faith, we talk a lot about our calling because, you know, once you find out what you're called to do here on earth, wow, watch out. And, And that's when you step out into kingdom building and when you really get attacked on a whole new level. And it's true. So you have to guard up and God equips you. He equips you. So I first wanna say that if I were your enemy, hmm, I would magnify your fears. I would make your fears appear insurmountable, intimidating you with enough worries until avoiding them becomes your driving motivation. I would use anxiety to cripple you, to paralyze you. 
uh, leave you indecisive, clinging to ooh, safety, clinging to sameness, always on the defensive because of what might happen. And when you hear the word faith, all I would want you to hear is unnecessary risk, unnecessary risk, but faith, Faith is what causes you to step out. Faith is what takes us to that next level, to allow us to take the word and the gospel and love of Christ to the world. And that's when the devil uh, starts to meddle because you sitting in the church pew, not doing anything, um, just coming on Sundays, not stepping out into faith, that doesn't, that doesn't harm the kingdom. But when you actually start doing something, the devil wants to lie to you and say, that's just a complete unnecessary risk. Don't do it at all. And then in fear, you stay in paralysis and anxiety. And this is my prayer for you. A prayer for your fears and your calling. And I want you to confront your fears and your worries. And I want you to start to claim your calling. The worries I have are not stray thoughts. They are deliberate attacks and strategies to derail me from my destiny and calling. And I will fight them with deliberate prayer strategies of my own. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, as Psalms 56 says. You have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7. You chose Derek and Michelle in our mother's wombs before time even existed. And Derek and Michelle will go to everyone, exclamation point. Send us to speak wherever you tell us to go. We will not be afraid of anyone because you will be with us and deliver us, says Jeremiah. Our hearts will not be troubled or fearful, says John 14, 27. We will continue to step through any fear that may sit upon us, and we will do it afraid, sometimes with a shaky voice. But I know that we are more than conquerors through you, and nothing... No thing is impossible with you, Father God. Your plans are always working for our good, says Jeremiah 29, 11, and you always give us the right words and such wisdom that none of our opponents will be able to reply or refute us, says Luke 21, 15. Allow us to always hear your voice. Your sheep know it, and we will listen and follow. No one can snatch us, says John 10, 27. No one, nothing, no thing, nothing. Amen and amen. Whoo, hallelujah. You know, finding out your calling is something that some people actually never get to do. And we hear that saying that all of the most dreams are buried in the cemeteries. And whoo, if that is not true. So I pray for your calling, that you claim it, you protect it, you know it and that you keep seeking it if you don't know what it is. And that is where times of stillness are so important to get along with God. So we're gonna move on to strategy seven, and this is where the enemy would love to lie to you about your purity. He tries to tempt you towards certain sins or convince you that you can tolerate them without risking consequence and knowing they'll only wedge distance between you and God. And you can find more in Isaiah 59, but I do want to just start by saying that this is a prayer about staying strong in most uh, in your most susceptible places we all have those and like I said in the beginning he knows our buttons Um, and so we want to stay strong in those most susceptible places if I were your enemy 
I would tempt you towards certain sins, make you believe they're basically even biologically unavoidable. I would study your tendencies and characteristics till I learn the precise conditions that make you the most likely to indulge them. And then I would strike right there again and again. I would wear you down because if I cannot separate you from God forever, I can at least set you at odds with him for the time being. Who knows what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So this is my prayer for purity and staying strong in my most susceptible places. Thank you, Lord, that I am righteous through you. I am the righteousness of God. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Wowzers! There is no condemnation, only love and grace that covers all my sin. I'm sorry, I'm so blasted by the fact that the Word of God says I have the mind of Christ. Whew. There's no condemnation, only love and grace that covers all my sin. Lord, help me to remain pure, pure in thoughts, words, actions, and deeds. Sin disrupts our connection, and I want no interruptions from your flow of grace, our connection. Sin carries consequences and ripple effects, and remind me that my decisions have effects and consequences before I make a stupid choice. You give me enough strength for any temptation. May I strategize my obedience as diligently as the enemy is strategizing my temptations. I praise you that you are the guardian of my soul, 1 Peter 2 says. I walk by your spirit. I do not carry out the desire of my flesh, as Galatians 5 says. My faith will never fail. You are my strength, and because of you, Lord, I remain pure in heart, mind, spirit, soul, and body. God, you are so good to me. How can I say thank you? Show me how to express my deepest gratitude Show me how to point to you every single day for the rest of my life. Amen and amen. And he is so, he is so, so good, isn't he? He's so good. And I just pray that these prayers, these fervent prayers continue to bless you. Continue to bless you. All right, so we are on strategy number eight. Again, just a couple more, and if you could just hang with me. This is against your rest and your contentment, and he hopes to overload your life and schedule, pressuring you to constantly push beyond your limits, never feeling permission to say no. <laughs> and I would love for you to just open the word to De Deuteronomy 5.15 to get a little bit more uh, information on that and have that bless you. So moving on to, you know, really if I were your enemy and how, how he attacks your pressures. So I want you to reclaim your peace and rest and contentment through this next prayer. Um, but I wanna say if I were your enemy, I'd make everything seem urgent as if it's all yours to handle. I'd bog down your calendar with so many expectations that you couldn't tell the difference between what's important and what's not. Going and doing, guilty forever saying no, trying to control it all, but just being controlled by it all instead. And if I could keep you busy enough, you would be way too overwhelmed to even realize how much you're actually saving me. Isn't that good? And I know it's so easy I know that it's so easy to get busy and you know the acronym for busy is buried under Satan's yoke so we want to start getting wise to the enemy so I'm gonna 
read you my personal prayer for pressures and, and rest and contentment. Lord God, you are my sustainer, my rest, my rock. Please help me to remember this. Remind me that the enemy wants us busy, buried under Satan's yoke. It's all unnecessary pressures to perform, to create idols away from you and your love, devotion, trust, rest, and Sabbath. If I feel pressure to perform, this could be an idol of self-reliance. Our hearts can make an idol of anything and reveal to me these as well as Sabbath spaces to create margin for relationships, you, marriage, and service. Help me to realize that even our ministry can be an idol. Oh, forgive us, Lord. We rest in you alone. Amen. You know, there's some theologians that say God rested on the seventh day, but because of the remaining Old and New Testament, the remaining of, of God's existence, eternal existence, is rest. Because he created it all and, and then he was done and he never came out of rest. So it's interesting to me that on the seventh day he rested, but he didn't rest because God never gets tired. He rested as an example for you and I. And I was reading in Hebrews 4 just this morning, actually. It was just really blessed me because I'm in a season of rest, which is really rare, and it feels really, really good, and I'm basking in it. I want time to slow down so I can rest more. And it said that we as believers have to be diligent to enter into this rest. It also goes on to say that people who have hardened their hearts towards God do not enter into rest. So I, felt, I thought that was interesting. But for his kids, we must be diligent about entering into his rest. It says in Hebrews that it doesn't come natural. We actually have to pursue it. So re remember that. Just surrender. Surrender the need to always say yes. Surrender the need to fill up your calendar. Surrender the need to have your kids in everything that your neighbors are in just because. Create space for God to breathe into your life. We're in a create space challenge right now, and it's really been blessing so many people not to just declutter uh, the fridge and freezer or a closet, but we also have some decluttering of the heart and soul and burning those and surrendering. But through all of this, whether it's your home or your temple, we are creating space for God to move, for God to breathe. And I was in the store and I had to check my thought the other day because I was like, well, I've decluttered this. I can, I can get a couple of these. And, and that's not the point. We don't create space to fill it back up because in the long run, it causes us more time because we have to declutter again or you know, arrange a garage sale. It's just like, let's create space and keep it as space. So find time to rest and be okay with the word no and uh, that, that will help you live a pretty freeing life, I hope. You know, even good things, even Bible studies, even, like I said, good things can come in the way if they're no longer serving you in a certain season or if God is calling you to spend time with your family or in service or missions or something like this, then um, we have to release that good thing that's become a habit. So Bible study every Tuesday is a good thing. But God might be saying, I have another good thing for you. I have more for you. I have something different for you. I have other people for you to bless, so on and so forth. So strategy number nine, this is a prayer for your heart and your hurts. And he, the enemy, will use every opportunity to keep old wounds fresh. 
uh, knowing that anger and hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness will continue to roll the damage forward. And you can find more in Hebrews 12, specifically 15, uh, but this is, this is really good, turning bitterness to forgiveness. And uh, again, I want to say that if I were your enemy, thank God I'm not, but if I were, I'd use every opportunity to bring old wounds to mind, as well as the people, events, circumstances that cause them. And I would try to ensure that your heart was hardened with anger and bitterness, shackled through unforgiveness. And just going back to that book, Unoffendable, that is my new mantra. I am unoffendable. And last night I plopped down on the couch and I said, I'm trying to be unoffendable, but it's so hard, you know, with my arms crossed and and just in saying it, I sounded so stupid because I'm trying, I'm striving to be unoffendable, but um, you know, I shouldn't speak it. I was going to say something bad about myself, but um, unfortunately I opened email and then there was an email in there and I got, I got offended. And it was kind of stirring in my heart and I, I just wanted to like watch a movie with my husband on the couch and I just plopped down and I crossed my arms. I said, I'm trying not to be unoffendable, but it's so hard. And then if I just say it, if I just speak it, right? If I just speak it and create my world, I am unoffendable. It is so freeing and I freed myself up to enjoy the movie and my relationship, the, the important things in life. If we are unoffendable, it frees us up because we are not God. He is. So prayer number nine for strategy number nine, a prayer for our heart and our hurts and turning bitterness into forgiveness. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you on high for drowning me in your love, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness and freedom. You lavishly extend all of these to me. It's sinful, prideful, and wrong of me to not extend so lavishly these things to others, especially my enemies. My forgiveness sets me free. Your forgiveness towards me is freedom, and so is mine towards them. Thank you that grace abounds. Thank you that great grace abounds. Never allow bitterness or unforgiveness to sour my appetite for spiritual things. The enemy likes to make bad things worse, and if I have anything against anyone, bring them to mind that I can stand, pray, and forgive, so that you may also forgive me, as Mark 11:25 says. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away, but always allow us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as Ephesians 4:31 says. I never take my own revenge, but help me allow space for your wrath. You tell us that you repay, that we won't be overcome with evil, but that we will overcome evil with good, Romans 12, 19. Don't let the sun go down on our anger, and we will not give the devil any opportunity, says Ephesians 4. I strive for peace with everyone and for holiness. No root of bitterness can spring up in my heart and cause trouble because your grace covers and fills every square inch of my heart. I love and pray for my enemies, just as Matthew 5, 44 through 45 says, I put on, I literally have to put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing and forgiving one another. The Lord forgives me, and I do the same for others, as Colossians 3 says. I am set free, says Galatians 5. Yes, and amen. Hallelujah. It's such a freeing life. Nothing bogs you down. Nothing is a burden. 
when we think that we're entitled because we're innocent and we're angry at somebody else, we just have to remind ourselves that we are not innocent. In fact, we did that yesterday morning or last week or last month or last year. So how can we be so offended or upset at somebody else? And so really releasing people and giving them letting them off the hook, letting yourself off the hook. Sometimes letting yourself off the hook is the hardest. Um, it's just a really free way to live. And the last strategy 10 is against your relationships. And really the enemy just wants to disrupt and bring disunity within our circles of friends and family and within the shared community of the body of Christ. And you can read more in 1 Timothy 2. Um, I pray for oneness in the body of Christ daily. It's really important that we all pray for oneness. We all have different jobs and gifts, but we're all one body doing different things for the Lord. And I believe we'll continue that into eternity. So this is uniting in a common cause prayer. And I first want to say that if I were your enemy, I'd work to create division between you and other Christians. I would create division between groups of Christians, anyone with a potential for uniting in battle against me and my plans. I'd keep you operating individually, not saying your need for the church or tying yourself too closely to its mission. Strength in numbers and unity of purpose, I would not allow things like these to go unchecked. He basically wants us isolated on a deserted island and does not want unity or community or oneness. That is exactly everything opposite he stands to. So strategy number 10, we have made it. Thank you for staying with me. It is a prayer for my relationships, a prayer for oneness in the body of Christ. And I pray this for you as well. Lord, protect your body, exclamation point. Derek and I as close friends and inner circle, the people that you yourself have sent us for our life to keep us unified and in one accord. I pray to always be wise to the enemy's ways of deception, deceit, and disconnection of divine relationships. Keep us safe, Lord. The devil hates when your people are unified as a couple, a family, a church, divine friendships, praying for one another's needs, potential, mission, and dreams, going to the throne room with and for one another. He hates it. I pray fervently for oneness. So we don't leave cracks for the enemy to step into our relationship, separating us from the people we need most for maintaining our health, shared energy and ideas required for these relationships to thrive. We shouldn't be surprised when Satan thwarts out unity as believers. He pulls out every strategy in the book. Help me identify the most common tools of division and disunity that he employs to destroy Derek and I's key relationship. Help me to identify those. Give us peace and protection, a profound intimacy in all our God-given relationships. Let your peace rule in our hearts, to which indeed we were called into one body, as Colossians 3.15 says, pursue, we will pursue things which make for peace in the building up of one another, Romans 14.19. We will not be tossed around by every wind or trickery of men, crafty, deceitful, scheming, as Ephesians 4.14 says. Let Derek and Michelle not love with words or tongue, but with deeds and truth, as 1 John 3.18 describes. Help us never to judge anyone or to put a stumbling block in our brother's or sister's way, as Romans 14.13 says. Help us to consider how to encourage one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking together, as Hebrews 10.24 says, but make our joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, 
united in spirit and intent on one purpose keep us humble and selfless regarding one another more important than ourselves just as philippians 12 says thank you thank you father for keeping us safe we give you all the glory we praise you for this time together keep your body keep your kids protected and safe we praise you on high We thank you for all that you have done for us, and we give you all the glory. In your precious son's name, we praise you for this amazing, beautiful, free life that you have given us. Help us to have fervent prayers of protection. Don't let us put this in a closet, but let us use this for war, for battle on our knees, in our prayer closets, not out in the open, in the public, but let us come to you, not social media, not our friends and family. Let us come to you for every answer. It is in your word. And we thank you so much, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope these prayers have blessed you. I know the fervent book has really blessed me. I had never even heard of it and somebody had brought it to a yoga faith teacher training. She had got it for every student and teacher uh, that her name is Leah Sorrells and I just really appreciate that. And um, it was a perfect season and perfect prayers came out of that. So we lift those prayers up for you to him and hope that you do the same on a continual basis as the enemy has that full-time job of devouring you. So stay protected, guard up, put that full armor on. Literally, you have to put it on. Don't forget, I love you, but Jesus loves you a whole lot more. And I hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.